Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Becoming Fully Human podcast. This is part three of the DreamWork series with Geraldine Mattis. I've titled this episode on love because the the dream inevitably took us to my romantic life and I mean, dreams are a reflection of what's currently going on in our life, right? It's our psyche communicating um, in real time. And so I had a feeling that no matter which of the three dream fragments that I entertained sharing with Geraldine, that they were all, (laughs) all roads were going to lead to my current personal romantic life. Um... Yeah, which I I tend to keep more close to my heart and not share as much on social media. Um, so I invite you into, into my romantic world in this episode. This episode feels very vulnerable to me. Um, not in a not in a way that I don't mind sharing, to be honest, because I think the topic of of power in love is really so valuable and this episode was incredibly helpful for me in my own life Um, it felt a little bit like a therapy session which I think is kind of the point I mean dream analysis is a tool to help inspire and guide us through our conscious life using the unconscious and and helping it influence our conscious life so yeah I I hope it serves you as much as it served me and like always if you have any questions or comments there is a link in the show notes that you can submit any comments for myself or Geraldine and yeah I really hope you enjoy this episode bye for now so yeah I have three very different dream fragments from three different dreams and I just have them written down do what what do you recommend? Why don't you talk to me about the one that seems to be most sort of loud? Okay. They're they're funnily all, and I said I started to you um, saying to you that like they're fragments, and you know I'm I'm trying not to judge that they're little, but they all seem to have something in them which i guess is the nature of dreams <laughs> every um, little piece has something in them um okay let's go with the first one because it's i find it quite funny um and strange but there's okay so the it's a part of a much bigger dream that i can't really remember but what i do remember is there's some kind of like socioeconomic political collapse like there's a lot of you know things going on um I guess in the world and I'm I think someone else is there as well but it doesn't really I don't really remember what I I do know is I was running out and realizing I'm off into some like journey of survival and there's it's in a grocery store and I'm thinking I'm gonna need food like there's at some point I'm going to need to eat and what I see is there's an aisle full of like the peanut and almond M&Ms like you know junky chocolate that I 
I haven't eaten for many years now, but I used, I remember even in the dream, I'm like, well, I used to love these when I was younger. And I just grab a bunch because I realize, like, even though I don't normally eat this, you know, highly processed, whatever artificial things, um, normally it'll help me survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you have a recollection of sort of any thought or emotion from when you woke up from that fragment, that dream? No, I remember just thinking it was a lot. Like there was, it was just a very like long and vivid dream, even though I couldn't remember it enough to write much more than that. But it was like a very long, and I do remember thinking like how funny that 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 part was still very fresh and vivid in my mind. Um, and it's actually funny, I, I'm only remembering this now, but I did see in a local coffee shop, this like beautiful little organic cafe. They make the healthy version of these, like with mm -hmm. handmade Criollo, like beautiful local chocolate and rose hand roasts. And I remember looking at this package thinking it's so beautiful. And it's like, you know, there's none of the nasty things, um, perceived nasty things that are in some of these hydrogenated oils and stuff. So yeah, I just remembered that um, now, mm -hmm. which it kind of reminds me of what you said in the first our first recording of like the psyche and that not being coincident, like it's not necessarily a coincidence. You remember the man who watched that television show before bed about the cows in Australia and was like, no, nah, I just had the dream because of that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about how you feel that you are on a journey of survival. Mm -hmm. Just ramble or anything specific out about my journey. Well, just just the, what what do you perceive? How are you on a journey of survival right now? Think about the, when you had the dream. What mm -hmm. was happening in your exterior life? I mean, yes, it feels super relevant to the fact that um. I am revisiting a romantic relationship with my ex-partner mm -hmm. and I think I realize how profound this decision is in terms of like both of our life paths, but I can really only control my decisions and how I participate and engage. So I guess really my life path and, um, so much of our history, which I've been quite open about on the podcast before, is like fraught with, you know, there's so much language about around it, trauma bonds and, you know, self-abandonment and all this stuff. And um, we have both grown dramatically, but there's still this element of survival, like 
like, is this right for me? Is this helping me? Is this going to harm me? Um, yeah, it's like, it's a lot, I guess. It does feel this, like this, I don't know that it's a weight. It just feels like a, a very important um, time in my life. I, you know, at my age, at with all the things of the, the fact that I want a family and kids and I feel like I'm ready for a chapter of my life that is um, more anchored. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the survival kind of aspect maybe playing into it is like, I don't want more roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Not that we necessarily get to decide, um, you know, going into the underworld and back up and under, and that's kind of a part of life, but I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I think I. Well, what's interesting about the dream is there's this collapse of world power structures Mm -hmm. that set you into this journey of survival that's Mm -hmm. related to romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, so how do you understand the collapse of power with respect to love and relationship? Um, it's, It's what has permitted for this to have like a chance at being a happy and healthy dynamic. Um, Because yeah, historically, like, I mean, you've really helped me see this in many ways. The, The power play of relationship and, you know, wanting to, in air quotes, help someone grow faster than they're ready to, or even in a way that you think they need to, that isn't necessarily right for them as a way for me to control the environment and feel safe as opposed to like putting down the sword and trusting that like well I just when there's power when there's a power dynamic at all it it distorts it's not love right it becomes manipulation and control and we love to use like no I'm helping or really it actually completely destroys the potential of love. Like love does not exist where there is um, hierarchy. So in your experience, then um, learning that you cannot control and manipulate the reality of another person is your learning about how you use power Mm -hmm. in relationship Mm -hmm. and you've understood that when you exert your will Mm -hmm. to the will of another person, that you injure love. Mm -hmm. Right. Great. So here you are, your power in that realm is collapsed or collapsing. Mm -hmm. And so it does put you in a journey of survival. Mm -hmm. From an ego point of view. Definitely. Definitely. Because the ego starts scrambling about how are we going to do this? What about what about what if what if all that? 100%. Yeah. And so in a way, you move into a regression. Mm. You go Mm -hmm. into a habit that is from your youth. Mm -hmm. Kind of grabbing some kind of food or sweetness, but it isn't the right food. It isn't the best food. Right? So when we are in fear mode, survival mode, 
we tend to grab at, at what we think will help us, but we are not discriminating. I've really noticed that the like, you said this, I think you said scrambling. I, because I'm so painfully aware of this old, even old pattern, I guess, to power and control, but I can just see it now. And it just, it doesn't stick. Like it doesn't, but there's still this like confusion, I guess, around it. And this happened yesterday. Um, I can't remember the specific, but I actually spoke it. I was like, I'm actually, I'm confused right now because something you're doing is bothering me, but I don't want to interfere with your process of, of, you know, of expressing or, and so, yeah, there is this like, I, yeah, regression and not knowing like the, the, which really happens when you're young and you're first entering relationship and you're like, Oh, I don't know how to do this. And I think often we just do it and, you know, but yeah, the, in the communicating of like, I actually don't know how to deal with this dynamic anymore because I don't want to put up a sword and simultaneously I have wants and needs and I, I haven't yet, um, I don't know if the word figure out or come to terms or just, yeah, I'm in this place of like, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know how to piece those two things together. So what would happen if you did nothing and thought nothing, but just accepted the reality, which is, I don't like what he is doing right now. I wonder where that will go. Mm. Mm-hmm. the power thing is collapsing. So the resources aren't really there, Mm -hmm. right? You have to wait and see. But you see, when we get into the place of fear, we always see that there is not enough. Mm -hmm. And we convince ourselves that something has to be done. Mm -hmm. But sometimes all that needs to be done is nothing. We just need to witness what is happening Mm -hmm. and to pay more attention to our own process of that witnessing than what the other person is or is not doing. So when you get into fear and survival mode, you Mm -hmm. choose what is not nourishing. So there's a regression. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I I can actually notice even when I spoke that of the being confused and like letting him in on that, it part of it still felt like manipulative. Mm -hmm. You know, in a way I didn't want it to be, but I'm like, I I don't have, yeah, I didn't yet have the the tool. And I I think, yeah, being quiet probably wouldn't have felt like that. And how do you think saying that was manipulative? Say that again? How, how is it that you thought perhaps my stating, my confusion is manipulative? Because it still gets to express what I'm unpleased with. 
but in a way that is like, I don't mean to be telling you this. <laughs> you know, like there's this like, I get like, I get both. And that wasn't the conscious intention, but it was still present. Like I was getting to express it and also be the victim of my, of my desire for him to be behaving differently. Yeah. So you want him to know that even though you're not telling him how to behave, you're not pleased with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So this is a real handy little kind of tool mm. when we, when we are needing to speak and we're not sure mm. whether we should say something. And sometimes we have to go back and say, uh, I just need to take that back. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting there in your, you don't like what he is doing. You're confused because you're trying to respond out of love in a way that isn't the pattern that was destructive. Mm -hmm. But somehow you, you get into like a desperate kind of mode. You don't know how to just sit with the confusion. Mm -hmm. And fair enough, those kinds of things are hard to sit with. Mm -hmm. But before you speak or before you act, you can ask yourself, is it true what I'm thinking of saying or doing? Mm -hmm. Is it kind? And is it necessary? Mm -hmm. So it is true that you were confused. Was it, would it be kind to tell him that? Well, you've already said, mm, might have been a bit of a manipulation, might have been a way of, you know, kind of letting him know I'm not pleased and that's an old pattern and it would put him on the defensive. And mm -hmm. so then the third one is, well, is it really necessary that I say anything? Mm -hmm. Now, you see, this is where the discipline of loving comes. It's in the necessary question. Mm -hmm. It might be true. It might even be kind to say, you know, really, you should tie up your shoelaces. You're going to trip. But is it necessary? Well, is it I really can, necessary? I can add a layer of confusion to the conversation because, ironically, the, the point of conversation was actually learning that conflict within relationship um, can yield like more closeness um, because we have a tendency of me being quite fiery and wanting to face things straight away and him wanting to not. So, you know, just not talk about it ever. And there is this, we have been communicating about the desire to somewhat meet halfway where we can actually express how I feel, how he feels, not, with, with it, without the belief that conflict ends or conflict hurts, like it can, it can just be an expressing of this is how I feel and this is how you feel. And it doesn't have to be, well, you should change your mind or, or you're not good enough or, um, and so, yeah, it, it, it was actually rooted in this desire. And I think conflict from within me that if, at least I think it's a vital part of a relationship to be able to express yourself authentically even if that means disagreeing with someone and historically we have a tendency not to fully show up authentically out of fear of how the other person's going to respond or react and so this the is it necessary portion of that question 
I'm not sure it's a hundred percent, but it feels so important. Like it's, it's like, it's creating conflict so that we can actually realize conflict isn't the bad guy. And actually it's not even that the conflict is that disagreement isn't the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it still requires a discrimination. Yeah. It is not always necessary to always speak our mind. No. But we often speak our mind because we can't sit with the feeling. Yeah, I couldn't sit with it. Definitely could right. not. So, so we get scratchy and itchy and then yeah. we blurt it out. So mm -hmm. that's where the discrimination of is it necessary and so sometimes it's necessary, even though, you know, it will create some disagreement or conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not necessary. What's necessary is you sit with your own feeling. Mm -hmm. You sit with your own judgment. You sit with how can I bring love to this situation mm -hmm. rather than judgment or criticism. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part of that. And, and mm -hmm. we want to jump away from it especially when we're in fear of survival mode. It's hard to sit with the feelings in that place. We just I, want to grab at anything. To I was eat. absolutely in survival mode. I could feel yeah. the nature of it was like, it was like, but it was like clenching up my throat and like, it was very visceral in a way that felt actually like life or death. Um, right. Yeah. So it'd be more helpful for you to pay attention to who is clenching at my throat. Mm -hmm. rather than what is he doing wrong mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who is here now in your own psychic landscape visiting you mm. who is that young person grabbing the peanut butter and almond m&ms off the <laughs> shelf mm. who mm -hmm. is that person mm -hmm. is she afraid what is she afraid of mm-hmm Often in a relationship, we make our feelings too much about the other person. Mm -hmm. So that part of the challenge is discriminating. Is it about me or is it about them? Right. You would you about us and our own perceptions. Would you recommend letting in the partner on like, hey, this is my like process or this it, it's about me and this is how I'm my story is initially about you know you but really this is you know this is what's going on inside of me because it's actually not you like you're does that is make it sense? necessary is it is your partner your therapist is right. your partner your journal right you have to ask that because you cannot assume that everything that you share will be received by the person in okay. an understanding way and a lot of relationships get into trouble because we want each other to be our therapist or our best mm -hmm. mother or our best friend mm -hmm. or whatever. But really that takes us away from our personal work, mm -hmm. which is, and I go back to, can I sit with confusion? Who is confused? Something he did triggered my confusion. Mm -hmm. Who is confused? What mm -hmm. am I confused about? It doesn't matter what he does or doesn't do. He was merely kind of like the catalyst. Right. Activating and something I, that lives within me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of grew up in the 70s and 80s movement of sort of like, you know, a lot of this self-actualization, the gestalt movement, all these groups and, you know, couples groups and therapy where everybody just said everything that was on their mind, mm -hmm. you know, as sort of a cleansing and a venting and, 
And in hindsight, we now understand that that was extremely destructive. Right. That sometimes it can be traumatizing. And that's why the question of, is it necessary to speak this is really important. If I just say it's true, it's kind, we're still in a bit of a selfish place. Mm -hmm. As soon as we move into, is it necessary? We're actually considering the other person mm -hmm. and their sensitivities. And, and, and really, is it a loving act to say that? Or are we just trying to not to avoid our own feeling? Yeah. And so there's no right or wrong way to do it, but we have to sit with that question. And more importantly, we have to sit with our own feelings. So I have a, a question. <laughs> um, because when I, prior to expressing that I had conflict within me about um, wanting to share how I felt about the situation versus not, and like not wanting to participate in a relationship from this place of hierarchy and power, I did sit with it for quite a while. And it made me uh, very quiet and like a bit reserved, I guess, like energetically, it would, it was very visible that like I was going through something in my head and, you know, no crazy, no anger, no crying, no anything, but just quiet. And he did ask a few times, like, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, I'm doing the dishes and, um, this and that and again is everything okay and I was like you know not really so I guess my question is when how, what is a uh, a better way to express that I am processing something and sitting with my own shit my own proverbial shit um, in a way that doesn't harm love yeah it's a very good question i mean very simply just the way you've said it to me right yeah. now it's just that um yeah something is up i'm wrestling with some of my own demons and confusion and i'm not sure how to speak about it in a way that is kind and about love and so if it's something that you really need to know about with respect to me or whatever you can mm -hmm. you know, just it's like if I will let you know but just trust me that I'm trying to stay with love and I'm trying to sort out some of my own stuff you know what's me what's you what's us mm -hmm. and and I think that that's relieving for the other part because definitely they pick, we always pick up that somebody's like not present mm -hmm. yeah right and so we have it so the other person needs to understand that you are present to them with love, mm -hmm. but you are also present to your own process that may or may not need to be spoken. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said a little bit earlier how, like, sometimes we make our partners our therapists. Yeah. Or our journal book. And it isn't actually kind because we can actually introduce too much material into the space that we confuse their process. I think I've definitely done that quite often, particularly because my process involves more words and thought, and it could, I mean, probably could use a little bit less even for my own well-being, mm -hmm. but his definitely doesn't. And so introducing 
the vocabulary of all the what's going on in my mind into the dynamic is probably quite repelling. <laughs> yes, and also too, a lot of conversation, a lot of thinking and analyzing and parsing out can actually be an intellectual defense mm -hmm. against just sitting with the feeling mm -hmm. and see where sitting with the feeling takes us. Because if we sit with the feeling, it deepens us into our imagination. But it's very tempting to leap up into, I know what this is. I'm going to, you know, into an analysis of it, to a naming of it. Mm -hmm. and, we, and then we bypass the opportunity for the confusion itself to tell us what's happening. Mm -hmm. The anger itself to tell, oh, this is my anger. I know it always happens under this circumstance and that circumstance. Mm -hmm. And no, we don't know. Today, their anger is coming and it has its own story for today. If we sit with it, it will tell us what is going on. So most of our Western mind thinking is constructed against, against thinking and feeling. It defends against thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And so we're all very clever and intelligent. We have all sorts of words and phrases and you know, methods and systems to explain what's going on, but that's not the same as experiencing what's going on. Mm -hmm. Sitting with the feeling, sitting with our own thoughts and you know, letting them tangle us up and untangling them and tangle us up and untangle them until we have a sense of understanding that comes not from an intellectual place, but really from the heart. Mm. So, Really, you know, love is a pretty quiet archetype. Mm. It's kind of like how water wears down rock. Yeah, I've got nothing. So, yeah, I would just suggest you practice just sitting with your feeling and asking who is here now. Yeah. And uh, to allow yourself the permission to say I'm confused or, or that I'm working through my stuff. Mm -hmm. I had a hard day. I'm a little bit rattled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. I mean, difficult, but I've thought about this in the past too. There's something about like the confession method that actually takes the burden off of you and puts it onto the other person in a way that doesn't feel honoring of love at all. Yeah. 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 Mm. Exactly. Actually, I felt that really profoundly for the first time with my first boyfriend who told me he cheated on me and it was it definitely felt like this like he was exalting himself from the pain that he'd kept in for months and months and I was quite confused with the being told because I was like whoa this it just felt like throwing and he felt liberated and happy and relieved and I felt terrible <laughs> and yeah I think that planted the seed for me of this kind of well there's not there's something more to relating and to love than 
a hundred percent blurting out of everything. And I, I don't know when it comes to that particular dynamic. I mean, maybe there's a degree of honesty you want to have in that situation, but I know in our particular dynamic, it felt like he just had to liberate himself mm-hmm. at the cost yeah. of, yeah, the cost of love. I think it's, it's complicated and nuanced, mm-hmm. let's put it that way, because honesty is, and communication, I, I value in relationship, but like you said, it's not, it's not all, you don't have to say it all, particularly without the investigating of, is this really about you? Right. Is it necessary? Is it kind? And is it true? Sometimes we blurt out what we think is honest. And actually, if we had sat and examined it, we would have realized that actually we're not even being honest with ourselves about what we're saying, right? So just like you um, said earlier, you understood in hindsight, the honest part of the situation is actually you were confessing this as a way to manipulate. Yeah. So it's it's very difficult and tricky work, mm-hmm. which is why sort of I think holding on to it for a little bit is more helpful than not not holding it on to avoid it, but holding on to it to to understand the feeling or the emotion or the thinking better. And yeah. um, you know, after two or three days, if it's still very hot. Maybe it's something needs to be said, but sometimes after two or three days, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Do you have um, advice or wisdom to share for the other polarity of this, you know, behavior? Because I know for me, the inclination is to share quickly, but I know that's met with the opposite and the, in the intention to not share anything. And mm-hmm. in a way that, isn't resolved it's things aren't resolved and it's not like you said it simmers down after a few days and it just isn't even an issue um but yeah for the the opposite type who has an inclination to hold everything in um well again it then for them it's like can they examine what they are afraid of if they speak their truth yeah right And if they're used to being kind of judged and criticized, they might be afraid that they'll be judged or criticized or corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of very common in relationship where one person will indicate to the other person what they should think, how they should feel, how they should say what they think and feel. Mm-hmm. And that shuts down the other person because they, they, they are not allowed to express themselves the way they mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people, you know, that will want you to say, well, do you love me or not? Well, of course I love you. I do this and this all the time. That shows that I love you. So some people show things through actions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if they've done a, a wrong against you, they might show you, they might not process it, but they might show it by changing their behavior. And mm-hmm. we have to be patient enough to see, oh, they're changing their behavior. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not doing that thing that is problematic between us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to, again, instead of looking too much outside, what is the problem with the other person is what is our process. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, I think men and women in general are quite different in how they process. Mm-hmm. It's not 100%, you know, a given, but there are tendencies and 
And men tend to be less vocal about feelings mm. than women. Women are much more relational, much more. They can gab for five hours about one little emotional event. Mm -hmm. And for men, honestly, most of the time it had happened and that's it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to discuss. It happened. Yeah. And so, and so a lot of times female partners are like, well, what do you think? What do you feel? And they're like, well, it happened, you know. <laughs> so it can be frustrating the other way around that we assume that the other person will relate the way we relate so yeah. first of all if you want the other person to relate more to you it's your responsibility to behave in a way that doesn't make them feel unsafe about sharing mm -hmm. so if you're at them all the time with a critical eye a critical voice you know a judgment or even, or even the expectation of them behaving in a way that works for me like yeah like that's completely self-centered yeah yeah it's completely self-centered mm -hmm. they're behaving the way they are behaving can you accept that or not mm -hmm. they are who they are mm. i read a book and again then how do you sit with I am not getting what I want. Yeah. I mean, it kind of just boils right. down to that. And is it that person's responsibility to give me what I want? Mm. And maybe how can I give what I want to that other person? Like, how do we see, you know, maybe our question is not so much what I'm not getting, but how can I love better? Mm. Yeah, that's definitely been something I've worked on a lot and I think have a lot more work to do because it's, I mean, it's, I'm conscious of it, um, but it's such an unlearning process. You know, like you said that, I think that's what you meant by the regression. Like, you know, I, you think all these things about relationship, about partnership, about love about who you are and who the other person is and it kind of requires a dismantling of a lot that well, I really the art of loving as Eric Fromm writes in his book mm -hmm. the art of loving is mm -hmm. fundamentally overcoming our narcissism our self-centeredness mm -hmm. and a lot of times we think we aren't being self-centered but if we really examine it we mm -hmm. are being self-centered mm -hmm. and it's very modern now in in sort of the dating scene and couple scene to kind of have this whole list of the things you want that person to be and you're going to make sure that you find that person or you're the person you have you're going to make sure that they smarten up and tick off all mm -hmm. the things on the list and there's very little talk about how do i actually accept this person mm -hmm. as they are who they are how do i see how they bring to me love and caring mm -hmm. oh, and in their, I want. in their own way yeah in their own way yeah. yeah so a lot of this really centers around unraveling our narcissism and mm -hmm. you know we we demonize narcissism you know nowadays you know on social media and yes it can be a very demonic trait but mostly it's just everyday garden variety self-centeredness and if we think about when we are discontent almost always there's some aspect of self-centeredness in it mm -hmm. i'm not getting what i want 
Well, I mean, yeah, the irony of publicly declaring someone else as a narcissist is quite ironic. Well, it's just a projection. It's a deflection of having to deal with your own narcissism. But if we want to be loved, we have to wrestle with that. Yeah. Because we will become unlovable if we remain self-centered. And we injure people. Yeah. Damn. Damn. There you go. From one little dream fragment. Truly. The journey of survival, really surviving love. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known you for long enough that I I even said to you, I was like, there's going to be, you know, there's something (laughs) to extrapolate. And yeah, that was profound Mm -hmm. and very helpful um, on my personal path. I I think will be very helpful for other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, wow. So to sum up, is it true? Yeah. Is yeah. it kind? Is it necessary? Mm-hmm. And how can I sit with my feeling and my thinking that is difficult and discern how much do I need to speak or not? Mm-hmm. And am I in fact being self-centered and manipulative, mm-hmm. even though I would, I don't know, rather have my toenails pulled out and admit it yeah and that's really what honesty is Mm -hmm. I think that is probably one of the more difficult things for people to grapple with because I know I've shared even with friends like one-on-one saying like no you know I I share about a dynamic and I say it was extremely manipulative and people are so quick to be like no you were caring or no, that's not manipulative. I was like, no, it really is. Like we, we just, the word is very difficult for people and no one likes to think that they do it. Um, And it's not that it's not about conscious manipulation even, you know, it's not like I made a plan to change his mind and I'm going to execute the plan. No, but the, the outcome is manipulation. It's like, Right. It's happening at an unconscious level because we cannot bear the truth of the situation. So we're going to make the situation how we want it to be. Yeah, exactly. And as soon as we exert our control over another person or even a place or a thing, we are in a process of manipulation or power over something. Exactly. And I, I would, um, you know, lay all of my dollars on the table for the truth that the art of loving is overcoming our own self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. And I know people resist that. We don't want to think we're that. Mm-hmm. But so often we're still like the two-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's been Who one of the most liberating, liberating, difficult, but liberating things to realize in myself, because then you can work on not doing it you know you become aware of it otherwise it whether or not you admit it 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 exists and it destroys love so always it's difficult to work on it and it's painful to look at that wound and you know the parts of yourself but that at the end of that is is unconditional love it's true love it's not the story of well that's you know i don't want to look at that and it doesn't really impact me it's there it's it's present. So yeah, as difficult as it is, I think it's the, um, like, it's a portal to liberation. 
without a doubt, without mm-hmm. a doubt. And actually to peace, really. Mm. You know, when we let go oh, of our selfishness, yeah. we ev- everything is so much more peaceful because there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. And all of our differences and weirdnesses, and mm-hmm. we don't have to like it, mm-hmm. but if we allow it. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you. Okay, my friend. Well, good luck with all of that. And, <laughs> thank you um, so much. You know, it's not an easy journey that you're taking, mm. but I think there's much um, fruit that you'll harvest, probably more wholesome than peanut butter and almond MMs. <laughs> thank you, Geraldine. <laughs> okay, bye bye for now. Bye.